And we are recording with Mr. Michael Vecchione on Wednesday, January 25th, 2023 at 3.37 p.m. Eastern Time to continue our discussion of Mr. Luigi Ronces Volley. Luigi the Zip, the bowling ball, the homicide man who didn't ever kill anybody. I don't kill nobody, Mike. I just pull, you know, I just get the money. And, uh, but with that, and for everybody listening, the link to the book, Homicide is My Business, which is a fucking fantastic book. It's on Audible. I'll put it in the description. I genuinely mean that. I've recommended it to people off air, which I don't do with every book, but that's like my highest form of compliment is to recommend it to people not on air. And, uh, but uh, with that, Mr. Vecchione, please introduce yourself for the new listeners. Well, thank you very much. First of all, Tom, that's that's very nice of you, and um, and I think your your listeners and your viewers will uh, will really like the book. I've gotten very good reviews from people who have read it, in addition to yours. So um, and enjoy. So my new, uh, new book tomorrow. Sorry to interrupt. New book no. tomorrow or Friday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to just about yeah. to mention that to you. So um, my name is Michael Vecchione, and um, I've been an attorney for more years than I know what, how to, uh, to how to count or care to count, I should say. And uh, most of them, 40 of them, were a part of uh, the district attorney's office in Brooklyn, New York. And, um, and when I, the last 13, I was, um, I was in charge of the rackets division. I was chief of the rackets division. And, um, and before that, chief of trials, and then before that, chief of homicide which is, um, and I spent a lot of time in the Homicide Bureau trying murder cases and meeting up with guys like uh, Luigi Roncesvalli, who is, um, who claimed to a congressional committee that uh, homicide was his business, and, um, and certainly was, both in Sicily, where he came from, and in Brooklyn, where he arrived one day trying to become a made man in the, uh, in the mafia, which he could not do in Sicily. Um, and to not to spoil the ending of the book, because it really doesn't spoil it, but he never became a made man in the American mafia either. And, um, and, and I tell you, Tom, I, you mentioned it before, I think it's because of the way that he looked. I think that he was not the, just not the appearance that was, he was not the kind of guy that the American mafia cared to become one of, uh, one of their, bro- of, have become one of their brothers. And he was a zip. You know, a zip is a was a Sicilian who was looked down upon by the American mafia. And um, and I think that, though, for those reasons, not because he was, quote unquote, unsuccessful, uh, he was a he was a killer and he did what he was uh, he was hired to do um, very well, quite frankly. But uh, so Luigi's tale, um, Luigi's tale is to interrupt, interrupt. Sorry, I know I keep it. I was going to say, well, one, by the way, if you see me keep looking out there, it's like snowing and hailing. Um, I keep grabbing my d- attention because I have ADD. But more importantly, about not getting into the mafia based on looks, there is some like poetic symbolism between uh, was, was it the 1960 presidential debate where people who listened thought Nixon won and people who watched thought Kennedy won because Kennedy yeah. was a handsome devil. Nixon, yep. who we not you know later would know is a crook, was still undeniably intelligent and an operator i mean what he worked under eisenhower he was he this guy wasn't stupid but you kind of see that it's like not just the mafia i mean to the highest office on the planet it's oh yeah who's got the jawbone who's got the high cheeks and it's like exactly exactly yeah. and, he, and, and he looked like tricky dick which is what they called him later on after he became <laughs> yeah. president yeah so yeah um so luigi um luigi was a uh was a guy who knew what he was doing knew how to do it and he um he learned in you know, in Sicily, he learned under the, um, you know, the Sicilian mafia in um, in Catania, which is where he was from. He came to the United States and and, um, you know, and, and decided that he was going to um, he was going to make his bones here. He was going to become a made man. Uh, he called it a man of honor, which is um, which is where part of the title for the book comes from. Um, but he never achieve the kind of honor that he was looking for, which was to be a made man in the mafia. But, you know, as as I write, he did become a man of honor because he became a guy who was um, who became an informant for us and an informant, not in the pejorative sense, but an informant who was really serving 
um, the people, his his new country in terms of the the his adopted country, uh, America, by giving up one of the biggest um, uh, drug cartel type situations that existed at at that time and and maybe even till today. Um, it became known as the Pizza Connection, um, and it was the successor to the more famous connection, the French connection, which became a very popular uh, motion picture um, at some point. So, um, and I think the last time we spoke, we kind of left off at the point where, um, where Luigi was, uh, was going to begin his, um, his life of, of, <laughs> of dishonor in terms of his own feelings. And that is to become a drug courier and, a, and part of a, of a drug operation. Um, let me just tell you what I'm talking about. The Bananos, um, way back in the in the 1950s, Joe Bonanno himself and and a guy named Carmine Galante, who became kind of the successor to Joe Bonanno somewhere, um, sometime in the 70s, um, were big drug dealers. I mean, no, I know that your listeners are probably saying, well, you know, the mafia says they don't deal drugs. They never dealt drugs. Well, that's total bullshit. Just total bullshit. The mafia has always been into drugs. They pretend that they weren't. It was it was kind of uh, Hollywoodized or it was glamorized in The Godfather where, you know, they claim that they don't sell. You can't sell near schools. You can't sell here. You can't sell there. Remember that big scene where all of these guys are in this this meeting oh, and they're talking bullshit. about. Yeah, bullshit. total bullshit. And um, and the Bananos, um, Bananos wanted to become the monopoly. I mean, they wanted a monopoly on drugs because they. They um, had something which no one else had, and that was a connection in Sicily with um, with the Sicilian mafia, and um, and it was set up by Bonanno and by Carmine Galante, who went over and had a meeting with the Sicilian, um, the head of the Sicilian mafia, and set up a distribution network that started in the Middle East and then made its way to Sicily and then ultimately to Marseille and then across into the United States. That was the French connection. And they were, and they were, they were, the Bananos were, uh, were making a lot of money and, and can, wanted to continue to make a lot of money. And, and they felt that the more that this word got around, that they were making money and that they weren't sharing it with the other four families was going to create, you know, problems for them. So they imported Sicilian uh, mobsters, these guys like Luigi, the Zips, as they were called, to um, to act as their their uh, protectors, act as their gunmen. If there was any trouble, they were going to send the Zips in to do the uh, to do the fighting. And and Luigi took advantage of that. He was um, he was it was suggested to him in Sicily that he should come to the United States because of that um, kind of. Uh, um, you know, that situation, that setup that, that the Bananos had. And it was kind of an exchange program. You know, they go to America and become a, a, a made guy as long as you bring your gun with you, you know. So um, he came to the United States and found his way into um, you know, onto Knickerbocker Avenue, which was the section of Brooklyn where the Bananos held court and, and, and kind of got himself in to the point where he was a trusted um, a trusted soldier, although not a made man, he um, he started out by collecting for you know debts for for from deadbeats and and started working in the, the illegal casinos and 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 then as he as I mentioned last time he started he became a hitman once he agreed to kill a um, a banano uh, associate who no one wanted to do it. No one wanted to kill this guy, although they all knew he deserved it because what he was doing was he was um, pimping a, uh, the widow of a young, uh, of one of their own, a young Italian girl who, um, who became a widow. And this guy took her under his wing and, and, and made her his, um, you know, a prostitute. And um, her family complained and the, the, the mafia family didn't want to kill him because they were, he was their friend. So Luigi heard about this and said, I'll do it, you know? And it was his way of showing them that he could do this. And he did, and he became a hero. 
And that led to more work and more hits. And then there was a connection between the Bananos and the Gambinos. Um, the Bananos, just for your for your listeners, the Bananos were in Knickerbocker Avenue, which is kind of in the northern part of uh, of Brooklyn, and the Gambino head ter uh, territory was in the southern part of of Brooklyn, along the waterfront. Um, and um, and but the Bananos and the and the Gambinos at that time were actually uh, together in in this drug business, they, this French connection drug business, but it was the bananas who were distributing the drugs. They were, they were getting it in and they were distributing it. And Luigi became part of this distribution network. He would drive along uh, with another guy from Knickerbocker Avenue to the, the Gambino section of Brooklyn, which was on 13th Avenue, 18th Avenue in, in, in a section called Bensonhurst and drop off the drugs, get paid and go back to Knickerbocker Avenue. Um, he told, I guess it was Congress, that he thought that, um, you know, that this was this was horrific. I mean, he, he was a dishonorable way of making money because he knew that those drugs were going to get into the hands of kids and things of that nature. And, but he had to do it because he had no, he needed the money and he needed to, to continue to agree to work for these guys. Um, and he was a good, a good protector. He was a, he was the guy that, you know, rode shotgun when they were driving this, this heroin from Knickerbocker Avenue to, uh, to 18th Avenue. Um, so he was doing okay. And he was starting to make money. He was a big gambler and, and he was doing his hits and, and one day, a guy who he was working with, a guy named Felice Puma, who was another Bonanno guy who he hooked up with, um, told them that uh, the drug dealing's off. We, you know, the, the, the spigot has been closed. We don't have that connection any longer. Why? Because the cops and the feds busted the French connection um, drug operation. And um, so Luigi had a... Had a do something else to make money he had you know in addition to the hits he, he still had a, he still had to make money because there weren't that many uh people being murdered at that time for on behalf of uh you know for the mafia for him anyway he was he was doing what was necessary but they weren't it wasn't like a steady you know stream of um of hits that he had to do he gets an idea he and another guy have an idea and they get involved with um another family another the gambino family and they they decide because they've gotten some inside information that a diamond uh, operation, a diamond dealer um, is ripe to be hit. And I think that um, that they thought that, um, you know, that this was a way of holding them, holding over, you know, being held over until they could get some other steady, more steady business. So. He puts together this operation, Luigi does, and, and he and a buddy of his uh, were the two stick-up men. They were the ones who went into the Diamond Dealer's store on 47th Street in Midtown Manhattan. Now, that entire street from 6th Avenue to, um, to 7th Avenue has diamond and jewelry stores from one right after the other after the other. It's called the Diamond District for, for that reason. And, um, and they went into this store in broad daylight in the middle of the afternoon, like 12 noon, it was around noon time, I believe. And they held up this, this uh, diamond dealer and came away with a million dollars worth of diamonds. Now we're talking about you know, in the 70s. So a million dollars was a lot different than it is right now. Yeah. But the I the but what he did, Tom, was amazing to me. And the more I think about it, the more I'm I'm amazed that he got away with it. He robbed the place, left the store. This is now again midtown Manhattan in on an afternoon around lunchtime when the streets are crowded. And he was able to get from to go east in Manhattan across the the uh, the island to the east side. This was sort of on the west side. Now, that's sixth 
to Fifth, to Broadway, to Madison, to Park, to Lexington, Third, Second. Now that's eight blocks, nine blocks, if I have it correct. He carried the diamonds all the way across after having held up this one of the most protected places in the United States and never was stopped once, never even a hint that this guy had just committed this robbery. He goes all the way across the third, second Avenue. There was someone waiting for him. He was part of the plan. He was going to hand the bag off and he did hand the bag off to this other guy who was now going to take it and get it to the fence. They were going to fence the diamonds and, and obviously split this money, right? He and the, he, him, some of the bananas and the Gambinos. What does what does fencing mean? Fencing means they were going to sell the gotcha. diamonds to somebody who would pay them for it, but obviously not pay them dollar for dollar. A fence takes a risk. So he 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 reason he does it is that he buys the diamonds for less than they're worth and then sells them for more than they're worth. Okay, that's that's the way it works. Gotcha. So Luigi's deal was uh, his role was to do this and then take off to get out of the city. To Chicago. They had a, a setup for him in Chicago in a hotel. They had a room for him already set up. And the idea was he was going to go to Chicago, let all of the heat that was created as a result of this robbery die down. And then he would come back and they would split all of the uh, the proceeds after the fence sold, after they sold the, 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 uh, the diamonds and they got money. They got cash, right? So he does it. He goes to Chicago. And um, one of the guys who was involved from the Gambino side was a was a Sicilian named Enzo Napoli. Now Enzo Napoli was a was a guy who was who touted himself to be the guy who was the liaison between the American mafia and the Sicilian mafia. And I have a very had a very good friend of mine who was a detective who actually went undercover and investigated Enzo Napoli. And um, so Napoli was part of this of this crew. And, um, and he was going to be the guy to, to fence the, the diamonds. So Luigi goes to Chicago. The problem is that he, meaning Luigi, and Enzo Napoli never really got along. You know, jealousy within the mob was, was, uh, is, is as rampant and was as rampant as any other place on earth in terms of, of people being jealous. You know, you think Hollywood people are jealous of, of uh, each other in Hollywood if you get this movie and I didn't get it, you know, that, that kind of thing. Well, there was jealousy in the mafia as well. So Luigi goes to Chicago, gets a room in this hotel. I don't remember the name of it. I don't even know if I ever knew the name of it, but he's at a hotel in Chicago, gets a room. And, um, and he, he comes down at some point, I think to have a drink and um, in the bar and to make a very long story short, he meets a woman who is um, who's staying at the hotel with her daughter. And um, and she, the way I look, the way I, I've interpreted this is she was trying to kind of hook up the daughter to with Luigi. Um, and she says to him during the course of their discussion, you're staying in the hotel? He says, yeah, what room? And he tell, she tells him, I mean, he tells her. And um, she says, well, you know, why don't you come upstairs and stay with us? I have an entire suite. I have another bedroom. You know, you can meet my daughter. We can go to dinner. We can, you know, we can do things together. And as long as you're here. And he says, okay. He no, does. no red flags for Luigi. No red flag at that point. No red flag. No and red flag. To, to clarify, is this like a kind of like an old fashioned, like I'm going to marry off my daughter? Is it more of like a prostitution vibe or is it just whatever it's Luigi's a bowling ball. He's not necessarily rolling in women and today's his lucky day. Yeah. Well, I think that it was more, she wanted to set up the daughter for perhaps a more of a, of a marital connection, not gotcha. knowing that this guy was married. Uh, you know, I don't know what the daughter looked like. She could have looked like him for all I know. I, mean, like I have me. no yeah, idea, but yeah. you know, so he packs up his, his stuff and he goes and moves into the, um, into her suite. And um, that night, unbeknownst to, uh, to Luigi, a crew from Brooklyn shows up in the hotel, a mob crew. And, um, and they go to the, uh, to, the, to the desk and they ask the uh, young woman who was at the desk, 
is uh, what room is Luigi Roncesvalli staying in? So um, she tells him. They said that they were friends, and she tells him. And she's, she says, I can't give you the key, but, you know, I can go up to the room with you, and we can, um, you know, I'll let you, I'll knock on the door, we'll let you in. She goes, he goes, they go, okay. She goes upstairs with them. They, she leaves. They get into the, into the room, and they shoot the room all up. They shoot, they just open fire on the beds. They go in blasting. They were there to kill Luigi. And he finds out later on that it was Enzo Napoli who put up, put them up to it because he didn't want to share yeah. in the uh, the proceeds for the diamond robbery. Now, luckily, Fucking Enzo. Luigi obviously is upstairs. He doesn't hear about this until the next day. And, um, and how he hears about it is that he gets a knock on the door of his new room, and it's the Chicago Police Department. And they say, are you Luigi Ron? Yeah, I am. Were you supposed to be in room 402, for instance? And they said, yeah, come with us. He spends the entire day in the police, in police, uh, the police precinct being questioned about this shooting that occurred in a room that he was supposed to be staying in. That's how he learned that his buddies, his brothers, were going to and wanted to kill him. Now, I had mentioned last time that there were several other incidents that happened. One very early on, where he's set up by a supposed friend of his in this robbery, and then the guy that he's supposed to rob has a gun and almost kills Luigi. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes out to escape, the buddy who he was with had taken off, so there was no way to get out of the area. So that was one. This was another. There was a, there was also another another incident where um, he felt disrespected and and he started to get the sense and it started to grow certainly after the Chicago thing that um, that he was not uh, you know that there were people who who didn't respect him and didn't want him around and and he didn't feel he, st- he told me he didn't feel that the you know the American mafia was not the same as the men of honor in Sicily so he gets out of the police station. And he, he, he gets on the phone, calls home, and they tell him, don't come here because they knew what he was going to do. He wanted to go back to Brooklyn, and he wanted to find Enzo Napoli, and he wanted to kill him. So they told him, sit tight, let things calm down, and then come back. And they, he did. He did just that. When he gets back, he goes to Knickerbocker Avenue, and he tells the bosses on Knickerbocker Avenue, I, I want to kill this guy, and I'm going to kill him. They tell him, no, you're not. We're going to have a sit down. And um, I think either the next morning or two, two days later, there's a sit down set up in a midtown Manhattan restaurant before before it opened. And he walks in with his buddy, the guy that he did the uh, robbery with, expecting to see Enzo Napoli, even though they told him that he couldn't kill him. He still wanted to do it. But. He thought that this was going to be the sit down where they were going to they were going to split all the money up, all the diamonds, the money, et cetera. He goes in, he sits down at the table and um, and Enzo Napoli is there and and he he has to hold himself back because he really wants to uh, to kill him. They tell Luigi and his buddy that um, we're going to give you thirty thousand dollars. He said, what? $30,000. He said, I did this. Yeah. I'm the guy that brought all of this in. I, I'm not exciting. I'm not just going to sit back and take $30,000. Well, the banana guy who was at that point, um, Toto Catalano, he was the run. He ran Nicobacar Avenue, told him, listen, this is the way it's going to be. This is our sit down. And he said, Mike, it was humiliating because they had diamonds that hadn't been sold. They had cash. And as I'm sitting there, they're giving Enzonopoli is dividing the, the diamonds up to all of these other people. He said they even gave it to some lawyer who was the lawyer for one of these guys. He got he got diamonds. I got nothing. His buddy, I forgot his buddy's name. It's in the book, but I forgot it. He, he got he didn't get the diamonds either. He said, so, Mike, what happens is there's one big diamond left after everybody gets what they're supposed to get. And he figures that's for me. Well, it wasn't for him. He said, as he's thinking this, 
somebody walked into the restaurant and all of the guys at the table looked up and were kind of in, not in awe. I want to just like, Oh man, this Rever- is a big guy. Is Reverence. Yeah. It was, it was Paul Castellano who was the head of the Gambino family. He walked in, sat down. Enzonopoli treated him like he was, you know, he was the Pope and, um, and gave him that big diamond. Now, now Castellano had nothing to do with this other than he was the boss of, you know, a family who one of these guys were working, they were supposed to kick up to him, but Catalano, uh, um, Castellano was given this big diamond. And I said, well, what happened? He said, he took the diamond he nodded like, yes, thank you. And he got up and he left. He said, you believe this guy? He said, you know, then me and my buddy, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, we got $30,000. Everybody else got these diamonds, which clearly they were going to be able to sell for, for more money, you know, than, than what they got, the 30 grand. So Luigi never forgot that. Never forgot it. He knew that uh, later on, when he finally turns, he said that was one of the things that was always in his mind about why he did it because of how they treated him. They fucked him. So, so he is, you know, he's now making his way to try to continue to make money while he, the drug dealing is, is not going on. Now, what he used to do, Tom, before the spigot was closed, was he would, he would, the, 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 the banana drugs would come into Nicobacca Avenue and it had to get across Brooklyn to the Gambinos and they didn't trust uh, total Catalano didn't trust a lot of people. He did trust Felice Puma and he trusted Luigi. So that was their run from Nicobacca to, to 18th Avenue and then, and then back with the money. So, um, you know, he, that all dried up and then he did this diamond thing. And he, I said, so what'd you do? He was doing like little, little things to make, to make some money. One day he gets a call from Felice Puma and he says, meet me on Nicobacca Avenue. He goes, Puma says to him, you know how they have that pipeline, that oil comes from, I don't remember where he said it came from and it comes into the United States. And then it's sold. He goes, yeah, yeah, I, I know. He says, well, we have a pipeline now of our own. And what was it? It was the pizza connection. They had reestablished a, a, uh, a way of getting heroin into the United States from Sicily. And, um, and how they did it was Carmine Galante and Bonanno started spreading money around and purchasing and setting people up in pizza joints all over the East Coast and even into the West, into the Midwest, buying them pizza restaurants. And the, and the reason was these guys were now in business, but the, the cost was they had to accept the importation or the packages that were coming from Italy and Sicily, ostensibly with pizza ingredients but buried in those were in the in and among the pizza ingredients was was heroin and um and once they got the packages opened them up the heroin was put aside someone would come to the pizzeria pick up the drugs and get them to wherever they had to go and uh, and it worked it worked very well they went from sicily to canada down from canada to um you know to the united states and, and it was, they were making millions of dollars a week with this, millions a week. And um, it was, it was unbelievable. And Luigi now got, had to get involved in the distribution of this, these, this heroin. So, <laughs> so much like the, um, uh, the trips from Knickerbocker Avenue to uh, to Gambino territory on 18th Avenue, Luigi had to get drugs from Knickerbocker Avenue. First of all, he had to get drugs to Knickerbocker Avenue. Sometimes he had to go to one of these locations and get them and bring them back to Brooklyn. But after that, he had to get that the drugs across the country to L.A., to Chicago, 
and um, and he was taught how to do it. Now, let me start with how he got some of the drug came from uh, came got to LA uh, got to Brooklyn. He was told one morning again by Felice Puma. Take tra- uh, get on a plane, uh, get on a plane tomorrow morning and go to Miami Beach. Um, so I will be there and I will meet you on a corner, this particular corner. And um, and, uh, and I'll tell you what we're going to do. He says, you're in my. Yeah, I'm in Miami. You just get on the next you get on a plane tomorrow morning and meet me there at a certain time. So he did. Tells me he gets to Miami. And he's waiting on this corner. Now, he doesn't know Miami from a hole in the wall, Luigi. I don't think he's ever been to Miami. And uh, he says, sure enough, I see Puma in his Porsche. And, um, and he comes up to me. He says, okay, get in. I said, okay, what about uh, drugs? He says, get in. So he says, I said, what happened? He gets in the car, and Puma hands him a, a shotgun and a pistol. The shotgun was, he, he described it, it was a Lupara, the kind of shotgun that they used in Sicily, the mafia. He's very familiar with it. And he was, he was, um, he, he, he ultimately, when he found out what he has to do, he was very happy that he had it. What's this for? He said, we're going to drive to Brooklyn. And the back of the Porsche was filled with heroin, filled with heroin. Now, keep this in mind, Tom. <laughs> These are in a Porsche, two Italian-looking guys. You know what Luigi looked like because you had the book. You saw his picture. And, um, and I think Puma's picture is in there, too. I can't imagine them leaving Miami and driving through the American South in a Porsche, these two guys, and not getting stopped in some small town Potent, in south yeah. carolina and asked for uh you know your your, your taillights broken that kind of thing and and looking for for money from kind of some from, uh my cousin Vinny vibes exactly exactly yeah. exactly it's getting stopped he in told south me georgia they were they were never stopped never they went straight from miami to brooklyn and he did it more than one time never stopped and when a senator at the president's commission asked him you pay off, yeah, why yeah. he had the shotgun, he said, I had a trunk full of heroin. He said, well, was I going to carry a yeah. pop gun? Yeah, fuck else. A pea shooter? Pop. He said it was because I wanted to make sure that we didn't get robbed. It's a I think about it today. So now this is two instances. One, he gets the diamonds and gets across Manhattan to a place to hand them off without ever getting stopped. And he goes he's from unsuspecting. Miami. He's unsuspecting. That's what yeah, it is. That's exactly it. And he goes from, but I would say walking, that's true. But the Porsche with these two guys driving through the American South in the in the 70s, um, I would think that it was yeah, likely Porsche, that they were going to get stopped. But the, they weren't. Yeah, the logic doesn't, yeah, it doesn't quite apply to the Porsche. Right. Walking, so, absolutely. It's that's correct. probably his strong suit. Is he's a bowling ball. He doesn't look like doesn't look like some james dean yep. fucker in and a leather jacket it's exactly correct and then i and, and and he tells me i said so what'd you do when you got to to knickerbocker avenue he said i drive we drive up to a particular spot who was waiting for us toto catalano he would he would they, he would come to the car he would tell um puma where to drive the stuff and they would take it to wherever they were taking it probably 18th wherever they were distributing it and um and Luigi was paid off, and Puma, Puma would say to him, I'll see you next time. And they did this a few times. That turns out to be a very crucial piece of evidence in the Pizza Connection trial um, to lock in Catalano to the Pizza Connection conspiracy. And it was Luigi who did it. So there's more. <laughs> so now he's got all of this, this heroin's coming into Brooklyn. And they have a deal with a guy in L.A. who was one of their distributors. And they need to get the drugs from Brooklyn to Los Angeles. So they tell Luigi he's going to do it. He's never done this before. And he says, um, they tell him, here's what you need to do. You need to go buy a suit that's several sizes too big for you. 
and bring it to us and actually wear it when you're going to get on the plane. So they get, <laughs> they, he gets the suit, goes to Knickerbocker Avenue, and the, and the wise guys stuff the pockets, stuff um, the, the, the drugs around him, and they tell him what to do when he gets to the airport. Now, of course, he looks, he's fat to begin with. Now he's got the suit, several sizes too big, with all of this heroin stuffed into the pockets and stuffed around them. He must have looked like, you know, a, a, a clown. I mean, he had That's, to look like one of really these guys. really the best who, minds the mafia has to offer? Yeah. So Jeez, they, what am I doing, doing a podcast? It, 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 it gets better. So they tell him, now you get to the, to the gate and you wait. And you wait when the plane, when your flight is called, you don't go and get on the plane right away. You wait until the door is just about to close and you run up to them with the ticket and you say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm late, I'm late. And you run onto the plane and you sit down. Now, the reason for that is even though this is before 9-11, they didn't want anybody to get suspicious. They, I guess they were, they were preventing maybe thinking that there may be dogs or something. Who knows? But that was what their plan was. And Luigi pulled it off yeah. and they told him. Do not fall asleep on the plane. You stay awake. Don't take your jacket off. Do nothing except sit in your seat and don't fall asleep because who knows what could happen if you fall asleep. And he said, okay, he didn't. So we went all the way across the country. When he gets to LA, there's a guy who meets him at LAX and they get into a car and they drive to a location and he unloads the unloads the drugs. Now, here's a, so he gets he gets through JFK Airport in New York without any problems. He gets across the country to LAX without any problems, not stopped at all ever, not not nothing. No one looks at anything and he meets the connection in LA and he unloads the drugs and the LA connection says to him why don't you guys, why don't you stay for a, for a little while? Because um, for a few days, we can party. And Luigi partied. He said it was, the guy was, was a tremendous host. Of course, what did he have? Drinks and women. And, um, and for, for several days, maybe even a week, Luigi stayed in LA, loved this guy. Got back on a plane with no drugs, with money. Got to New York, got to Brooklyn, paid his money. And he did that, I don't know how many times. That's not where it ended. Then they tell him, we need you to go to Chicago, but you're not taking a plane to Chicago. You're going to take the train and you're going to have a suitcase. And the suitcase is going to be filled with heroin. So they tell him, when you get onto the train, do not put the suitcase in the overhead compartment. You keep it between your legs for the entire trip. And what is supposed to happen, which he does. And what does he do when he gets to Chicago? He gets into Union Station. He comes out and there's a guy who says to him, sir, are you looking for a cab? Yes. Gets into the car, look like a cab. They drive around the corner. The guy says, okay, you can get out. He leaves the suitcase, gets back into Union Station, gets on a train and goes back to Brooklyn and the guy takes off. He didn't party with this guy too much in Chicago. The guy was much more of a business person than the guy in L.A., but he loved, loved the guy in L.A. I mean, and, and ultimately when he gets caught, I think I have them in the book. He draws maps, you know, for the for the FBI and for the cops about the routes, you know, in terms of how, which, which cities he went to and how he, how he did it. He was, um, he remembered all of that stuff. But the amazing, the amazing thing to me was that he was able to, I mean, transport pounds, pounds of heroin across the country, halfway across the country, from down south to the north without ever getting stopped, without ever getting caught. And, um, and now you wonder, and now you know how easy it is and why 
drugs are smuggled into this country as we speak right now. There's drugs being smuggled in through the, or, or in the over the southern border. Nobody is into uh, intercepting stuff. Well, that they intercept maybe a, a handful a of, of what is actually coming over. There, you know, if there's a way of doing it, these wise guys and these cartel people will find a way to do it, and they did with um, with Luigi. So it's the, he it's was. The, um, it's the free market for better or worse. The free market yeah. doesn't give a shit if there's a yeah. profit motive. It's yeah, it's he, he exactly there. exactly. So he did that for a very long time, a very long time, and um, and ultimately, ultimately, he's the guy that takes down. That, that is responsible for the, among other witnesses, but he's one of the main witnesses in, in what is ultimately the pizza connection case. And, and, and I'll tell you, if we don't have time today, we could do it another time if you'll have me back and tell you sure. about how he gets involved with that. So, so Luigi now is, um, is, is not only, <laughs> not only is he a hitman, but he's also now a drug courier. And, um, and he is, he's, he's really in his mind, he's really being this he's he feels he dishonored himself by getting involved in this this drug operation he said it was not an honorable thing to do i knew that that kids were you know they would sell this stuff to kids or kids could get their hands on it or young people and people would die and and um and he had no problem killing people who deserve to be killed which is what his mantra was but the drugs he said it went to people who you know, didn't deserve to be killed. And, and that was, that was a, 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 bad, a very, very bad thing in his mind, thing that, that preyed on his mind for a long time. So, you know, he does this and uh, it's in the midst of this that he does the hit on the, in the case that was mine. And, and I don't remember if we ever talked about it where he killed a chef in the, in the, in a restaurant. And, and, and if we didn't, uh, it seems like we did. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about that. Yeah, I don't. So I don't quite. Okay. So quite so he's it. he's doing he's doing the hits, he's doing the drug dealing, and he gets a call one day from one of his um one of his contacts in the Gambino family, a guy named Mirable, who was one of the guys who kind of was um was with him when they sometimes when they would transport the drugs from Nicobacca to get to Gambino territory anyway they met and they became um they became close so he gets a call from one day tells him that he needs to speak to him so this guy, so Luigi goes to meet Mirable and um and uh, and and Mirable tells him what what they need to what needs to be done they need to kill a guy who is the who's a chef in a very popular Italian restaurant in Gambino territory in South Brooklyn. It's called the New Corner Restaurant. And, um, and the reason the chef needs to be killed is that the family of a young woman, it turns out it was the chef's niece, actual niece, found out that the chef was raping Oh no, we've no 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 we did no we we, we did talk about this. this okay. okay, no, I I had I had messed up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And 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 what I'll tell you why I started with this. What happens is when they first, when the Gambinos first hired someone to do this, the guy shows up at the restaurant and when yeah. he's to kill him, the cops are there because that's where they eat. It was a very popular place and he didn't, yeah. he just took off. So they get Luigi who they trust and they know Luigi will do it. And he does, he pulls it off and he kills yeah. him. Yeah. So en he, Enzo, Enzo. Yeah. Enzo. Enzo not, not, he, the, he, not the same Enzo as earlier. No. Different, different guy enzo enzo enzo, enzo, enzo there yeah. yeah correct yeah okay correct. i remember enzo yeah. had been it was in sicily when he yep. first Mom went died. to kill him but yeah okay so um so they the gambinos know you know know him know him and trust him and know that he's a he's a guy that um that that will be able to uh you know to carry out what needs to be carried out if it's sicily if it's a if it's a hit so again he gets another call from Mirable and Mirable tells him, come to my, come to my house tonight. I have someone I want you to meet. I want you to tell, talk to you about this, about him. So he goes to Mirable's house and, and there's a guy by the name of, um, um, Luke, um, Michele Sindona is, is there. And, um, no, I'm sorry. Luigi goes to the house and, and, and Mirable tells him why he's there. And he tells him that this criminal, international criminal by a guy by the name of Michele Sindona, 
wants to hire Luigi because he's been talked about as being reliable by the Gambinos. And, and Sindona has a connection to the Gambinos. He was laundering their money through the Vatican Bank in Italy, laundering their drug money. So they are really connected. And, um, and he tells them that, that Sindona wants to have two people killed, two people hit. Now, the background on Sindona is that he was a, an international financier centered in in northern part of Italy, in Milan, Venice. And what he did in Italy was he would he would take over, um, because he had money and he had mob money, he would take over banks. And he would then use these banks to launder mob money through it and also use them as his piggy bank. He would, he would extort money out of, I shouldn't say extort, he would, he would, um, he would take money out of the banks and use it for his own uh, for his own uh, use, and the banks ultimately would go under. They obviously they can't they couldn't support uh, themselves if they had no money. I mean, people and and a lot of working people lost their money, lost their savings, lost their you know their their retirement savings because of of banks that that uh, Sindona was causing to collapse. And it came to the attention of, uh, particularly in Venice, came to the attention of the Cardinal uh, of Venice, the Catholic Cardinal, who understood and knew that Sindona was a bad guy, even though the Vatican let him have run of the Vatican Bank, which he was also going to drive into essentially bankruptcy because he was using that bank as his own piggy bank and also uh, laundering mob money through. Um, so, but he was somehow, he was, he was able to get into the confidence, confidence of the Pope at that time, who was, uh, Pope Paul VI. And, um, and then Pope Paul VI dies. Okay. He dies of old, uh, uh, old age or is ill. And the Cardinal of Venice gets, uh, elected to become the Pope. And he becomes John Paul I. When he took over, Sindona knew that his days um, were either numbered, were going to be difficult. Um, I'm sorry, going to be difficult or maybe worse. So he had to get rid of John Paul I. And the plot to get rid of John Paul I centered with Sindona. And ultimately, they killed him. You know, a lot of people don't think that he was he was killed, but but he was. And I know somebody who was actually I, I, a guy that I've spoken to, actually part of the plot. So, Jesus. Um, and he did it because he knew that, uh, and Sindona was at the center of it because they knew that their days were up. You know, he, his piggy bank days were up. He made his way to the United States after that. On, and honor my honor my ass. <laughs> Yeah, and, and he and he makes his way to the United States. Um, well, Luigi didn't kill the Pope. It was they, they poisoned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. No, yeah, yeah. No. Okay. I, mean, I just mean, I mean, honor in general. The idea exactly. of honor. Go, go, so, fuck yourself. So he makes his way to the United States, um, Sindona, and he and he takes over a bank on Long Island called the Franklin National Bank, Long Island, New York, and he causes the collapse of the Franklin National Bank. So he is left in his wake. Banks that have collapsed in Italy, all up and down the peninsula, and now in the United States. What year was this? Year? This is General... in the, the late, late 70s. Okay. Late 70s. Right. Mid was, to late 70s. I was thinking of the book Franklin Scandal by Nick Bryant, which is about the Franklin First Bank, but I think it's somewhere in the, in the Midwest, which led okay. to child Different, trafficking yeah. and political black. I was going to say, if they're tied together, I'll, I'll blow my brains out. No, this is, so, <laughs> so he gets, he gets um, indicted in Italy and he's here in the United States and the Italians want him extradited. So he fights the extradition and a, the United States attorney in the Southern district of New York, which is in lower Manhattan begins to, um, to uh, fight, not fight, I'm sorry, um, begins to prosecute, so to speak, 
the uh, the extradition hearing, meaning that he was arguing for extradition. Sindona's defense attorney arguing against it. But the same prosecutor is also investigating Sindona for the collapse of the Vatican Bank. I'm sorry, the collapse of the Franklin National Bank. And he gets indicted for that. So, um, so the, the prosecutor in New York is now handling both the extradition hearing and the prosecution of Sindona for the Franklin National Bank. And in Italy, there's a prosecutor slash judge in Italy who's handling the Italian indictment, right? Now, Sindona knows because <laughs> he just knows that he's a dead, he's dead in Italy. They, they have him, he's gonna get convicted. He's gonna do a lot of jail time. He also knows that the case against him in the United States is rock solid as well. And he's going to get an indicted. And I'm sorry, he's going to get convicted in the United States, do time here and then get sent to Italy. Right. Because he's obviously going to be um, he's going to be tried and he's going to be convicted in Italy. That's how strong the cases were. So his, he, he has to find a way out. Defense attorneys were not going to get him out from under this. That's how strong the cases were. So his only the only way he knew to guarantee, at least he thought to guarantee his freedom, is to kill the prosecutor in New York and to kill the judge slash prosecutor in, in Italy. <laughs> he thought that if he killed them, even though they belong to organizations which would fill the void when they were dead and have someone else handle it. By the time those they got up to speed, the new people, who knows what could happen? He might be able to escape to some place where he never would be extradited from. So that was his plan. And he goes to the Gambinos and they know exactly who should handle this. Luigi Roncesvalli. And Mirable tells Roncesvalli all about this. And you know what Luigi's initial reaction is? No, I don't want to do this. Mirable talks him into at least going to meet with Sindona and hear Sindona out. And he does. And Sindona tells him, now keep in mind, Tom, this guy is always looking for money. Always. Sindona tells him, I'll give you $100,000 for the hit in Manhattan and $100,000 for the hit in Italy. The hit in Manhattan is a little bit different than the one in Italy because what he wants Luigi to do, because this guy, this prosecutor has been on his ass forever. If the prosecutor suddenly turns up dead on the street, he says, they're gonna blame me. So I want you, after you kill him, to stuff his pockets with heroin so it'll look like he was killed in a drug deal. That was the plan. <laughs> so Luigi listens to this whole thing and um, he, he says, you know, let me think about it. Now, he knew exactly what he was going to do. He calls him back and he tells Sindona, no, I'm not doing it. And he says to me, if I ever killed a prosecutor in the United States, I'm done. My yeah. life is over. That was his theory. And he was right. That was his. So he, um, he tells him no. Things did not get better for him from that point because Sindona was like a king in the underworld. Turn this guy down. He knew that he had to make sure that he never got arrested because he knew that if he was in jail, somebody would get to him and kill him in jail. So what he does is um, he, <laughs> and he's not making any money either. So he hooks up with a buddy of his who has another friend who knows of a, an armored car courier who picks up about 30 grand every week from a particular business in Queens, New York. And, um, and he says, it's simple. It's one guy coming out with a bag. All we got to do is go up to him, steal the bag and get back in the car and drive away. Luigi says, okay, he agrees. Now keep in mind, he needs the money because he's not the he's you know on the outs now with the with the mob because of Sindona, and um, so he gets to the location in Queens, 
He sees the courier. Turns out the courier is a woman. It's not a guy. And Luigi says, we don't rob women in Sicily. I can't, that's not the honorable thing to do. It's like one of these things like, you know, I'll lose total face. I can't do it. Yeah. But he's desperate. The guys push him. He steals the bag. They jump in the car. He opens the bag up. He was expecting 30000 There was $3,000 in the bag. And by the time they get to this guy's house to split the money up, the cops were on them and they get arrested. Luigi is now in the place where he knows that he can't be because, A, he's going to get killed. But more importantly to him, he said, Mike, I could never have anybody in my family know what I'm arrested for, stealing from a lady. I can't. I can't get on the stand and even, and even say anything about this. I, I, I can't live my life any longer. I can't, you know, I can't show my face. So I know that I have to get out of jail. He's held on $500 bail. And I have to get out of the country. He says, I can't, I can't stay here because I can't be in the courtroom and have people know what I did. That's his fucked up sense of honor. But that's what it was. That's what it was. Excuse me if I no, curse too strongly. So, so, he, so he, he calls. This is, I still can't understand this. He calls Sindona from jail. And he tells him what happened. And I need $500. Can you, you know, bail me out? Sindona tells him the same thing Luigi told him. No. So now he says to me, now I know that I'm a, I'm a dead man. I have to get out of here. So he arranges with his brother-in-law to put the $500 up. And when he gets home, he says, I have to get out of the country. He says, I know that I'm going to, I'm a marked man. I got to get out of here. And he calls Sindona again, but he tells Sindona at this point, listen, I want 30 grand. And, and you'll never see me again. You know what I know. You'll never see me again. Sindona tells him basically, no. Luigi says, I give you one more chance. Next day, he calls him again. It's still no. That day, he walked into the ninth precinct in Manhattan, walked up to the desk, and he said to the desk officer, I want to talk to the FBI. And that's how Luigi Rossisvalli became an informant. He went, the FBI picked him up and his, his history with the FBI is a little, is a little checkered as well in terms of, of things that happened during that time. So uh, I know we're getting close to the, to the end here. If, if you'll have me back, I can finish the story next time. And, and sure. maybe we can even talk a little bit about Fallen Angel, which is the book, my new book, my new book that'll be out tomorrow. And um, it's not on, not on audio yet, but cause you know, who is going to probably do the audio? me yeah the publisher wants me to do it good i'm read, glad you're doing it. it that is yeah i'm i'm happy i'll be happy to do it i hope that it it, it goes through they they've already asked me and i've already said yes it's just that uh, we haven't done it yet so right now it's out on kindle it's on it'll be out tomorrow uh kindle hardcover and softcover um on amazon it's available on amazon now it'll probably be available in other places i just don't have those those names yet for me but the next time i see it i i will and then we can finish up the luigi story because we have to talk about you know him going to jail and how he how he how what happens to him in prison and and then how he ultimately gets out and gets before congress and in the pizza connection and there's there's some good stories in there as well so it is kind of wild though how like ultimately like the smallest amount of i guess reciprocal respect could have prevented all of this exactly just not even not even kissed his ass but simply gave him his his due yeah like what what he had like the work he not even buttering him up just literally giving him his cut of the diamonds or his cut of the cash or and that that like arrogance and ignorance ultimately would lead to their downfall, which is just exactly, exactly, exactly. And then, you know, when when I ultimately get him and I and this will be part of next time. But when I he becomes an informant for me, he he's in jail. He's in the Brooklyn House of Detention, but he's in the protected unit, you know, the protected witness unit. And there's someone else in there and and who has nothing to do with the mafia, nothing to do with anything, but has to do with a, he, he, he killed a, a woman with his father. And, and I'll talk about, you know, that a little bit too, next time. That's the Legrand family, which is a, um, 
notorious, uh, was a notorious um, outlaw family in Brooklyn run by a reverend, the so-called reverend. And, and I'll just give you a little taste. What he used to do was he would recruit young women and dress oh, yeah. them up as Catholic nuns and send yeah. them out into the street to beg for money. Then collect the money, bring them back to the house, and then just simply rape them and um, and Jesus. have babies with them. And Fucking, so, I mean, <laughs> what the fuck? It's, what the um, fuck? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, before I even got into the DA's office, I would be out and about in Brooklyn, my old neighborhood, and I would, you know, see these, nun see this, nuts, these nuns yeah. running around. And I went to a Catholic school. Yeah. Where the nuns were dressed like these women. Yeah. And it it took my parents to tell me, you know, don't don't give them anything because they're they're not legitimate. And yeah. And I later learned when I was a prosecutor that um, who they were and um, and and they I, I got involved with the with the investigation into um, after the conviction of these guys, I got involved with an investigation into finding other bodies. And Luigi was instrumental in uh in helping me get to uh get into that investigation so and, and i'll tell you some of the stories about the people who work for this reverend and um it's it it'll make the hair on the back of your head in the back of your neck stand up it's that that bad so a lot of bad people in this world tom i know and you've dealt with all of them and you still managed to keep a smile which is yeah, itself, well, which is itself beautiful <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's easy when, you know, guys like you are interested in, and it allows me to, to kind of tell my stories. Uh, I got a lot of them and uh, you know, this, this, you know, there, the, the, the stories, the crimes that are depicted in fallen angel, which is in essence a novel, but it's mm -hmm. a novel based on, on, on truth. Mm -hmm. um, all of those cases that you will ultimately either listen to or read, were all mine. I did them all. I did them. I either did the arrest and investigation or I did, I'm sorry, not the arrest, but the, the investigation and the trial or the trial after the cops brought them to me. And, um, some of them were pretty, were pretty bad cops as defendants, cops as, as victims, um, innocent women as victims. I mean, it's, um, Jesus, it was a, 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 a horrible potpourri of, the worst of um of mankind you know so but we'll talk about that when we get to talk about fallen angel but right. folks fallen angel released tomorrow um the pre-orders have been pretty good we've already you know it was it was it was out uh for pre-order for a, a bit of time and um so far so good and uh but i gotta tell you tom the um and and one other thing i have already um, the book has already been optioned for, for TV, Fallen Angel. I was able to do that. My man. And maybe, maybe. I don't want to jinx myself, but maybe by the next time we talk, Luigi will already will also have been optioned. There's somebody who's very, very interested in very interested in, in it. And and it's interesting. She um, has, has, has read the book, read the book over the weekend. But before she was able to, to read it, her parents read it. And they have been talking about it so much that she, who she's in television, she said, well, let me see. And she got it. And she said, Mike, I can't believe Mike Vecchio this is just gonna, wonderful. So gonna anyway, he's going to be getting a phone call from Scorsese soon. Yeah, we'll see. Mike you'll Vecchio lift the guy's ears, I always say. You'll, so, you'll, you'll, you'll look back on uh, my podcast will be featured in the documentary on you in 30 years. Be like. His early media was on Tommy's podcast, uh, a now defunct podcast. But yeah, I will be, I will happily be the, I will happily <laughs> yeah. be the intro. Tommy, you hurry up, Tom, because I'm, 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 I'm up one of those people who, you know, the time is, uh, is, is slowly slipping through the, uh, the hourglass, you know, so in terms of nonsense. Now I've interviewed 93 year olds who are still sharp as a tack so that yeah. you don't you know you don't get any sympathy. No, once you hit ninety, then I'll then I'll give you I'll give you the <laughs> okay. pity party. Well, I'm a ways away from that, so that's for sure. So anyway, um, right, well, uh, Mike, text me the link for Fallen Angel. I'm sure you have before, but text me again, and I'll put it in the description. And then I will. Um, I will. Um, bu 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 I'll stop streaming this, and then I'll text you in like a couple minutes, and we'll we'll schedule the next one to finish up. Um, terrific. Finish up terrific. Luigi. 
Thank you very much. And um, and was it you did this one live, huh, Tom? It's still live, technically. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, it's your first live one with me, and I was yeah. like slowly shifting into that and trying to learn, trying to learn the the the. It's it's I'm back at square one in terms of learning how the live streams skip, and I gotta like re-upload them and shit, and I'm still okay. figuring it out. So we're back at like we're back at the uh, the elementary stage of the podcast in terms yeah. of I'm figuring everything out. But I've been in situations like that in my life, so uh, it's. But um, I, I promise, you know, I promise, and you know this because you've read it. You, if you if your folks pick up homicide as my business, they won't be disappointed by this. No, it, no, it's 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 it, it's genuinely a good book. I mean, I'll never have on an author, and you know, someone who's given me time out of their day, I'll never have them on here and be like, "Your book sucks." That's just disrespectful. I've had books that were, you know, they didn't fulfill my, you know desires of what they'd be but if somebody gives me their time i'm, I'm gonna sit here and i'm, I'm right. going to you know give their book a and more out of anything just respect you know like thank you for coming on my show i'm never gonna shit on someone on on the show but i guess for me like the highest compliment i can give a book is it's like if i text someone like you know any i can say on the show go get the book but like i'll, I'll like text people like this is a genuinely good book like that's few and far between that's like my highest form of honor that is my Luigi Ronza's folly. That is there my honor. There that is my a honor. man of honor. Yeah. Is is if you get a te- if I recommend a book like off camera, then that is my like that is my ominous dominus. That is my like kissing right. the hand. So that's what I've done for people. Um, and so I. But the reason I'm saying that is because, just so you know, I'm not kissing Mike's ass. It's genuinely a good book. I I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't recommend it to my own mother if I didn't actually like it. So um, I well, highly recommend you. it. Yeah it's um that's uh i can't do that for everyone but um yeah so it, it is a good you won't be disappointed it's a fun book i mean it's fucked up it's evil but it's fun it's it is it's the condensation like the manifestation of these ideas kind of art imitating life life imitating art where you kind of it's not all hollywood like they yeah sure there's a joe pesci de niro and we kind of had this romanticized vision you good fellas or whatever it's not that at all but then you but then you actually also see like that shit is also like very real. Like that's based on something. Yep, yep, yep. You and know what? Yeah. You know, Tom, what I always I, I tell people that it is a um, it is a look into a world and a life that really no one knows except the people who are in it. Yeah. And um and the and you know, it's um I, I said this once in a summation. I was doing a case involving um uh, wise guys and and the witnesses were were also wise guys and um and i had to convince the jury in my summation that they should believe these bad guys but what i said to them was that this was the opportunity for you to have the the, the blinds raised and the drapes pulled aside and the windows open and you can look into this into this world they gave you the 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 actual um, uh, scenarios about what goes on in that world, and that's why you need to believe them. And and it's the same kind of thing. I got this, you know, straight from the horse's mouth. So um, it's a world that a lot of people don't know about. Um, and if they know about it, they know about it from the Godfather or something of that nature, which was you know Hollywood version. Of sure. it. So um, so anyway, thank you, my friend. Yes, sir. Text me. Uh, text me, Fallen Angel. I'll put it in the description, and I'll text you in a couple of minutes, and we'll schedule the next one. Um, I will do that. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Go grab the book. Homicide is my business. It'll be in the description about Luigi the Zip, Luigi Ronces Volley, the bowling ball. But um, I'll text you. We'll schedule the next one, Mr. Mike Vicky. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you, Tom. Thank Have you. Have a good weekend. You as well. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.